Hey awesome nerds and welcome to another episode of D&D and TV, the weekly podcast where we rewatch or recap television shows we really enjoy and talk about how the themes, concept and characters could be used in different role-playing games. I am your host Jeremy and joining me today is my co-host Afif who is currently standing on a beach cutting both ships and bullets in half with a very large cross-shaped sword. I mean, I like both cooking and kicking things, so you really, you took your shot and you missed, you went the other direction. There was, there was one, but I was like, you know what? No, I'm not going for the cooking route. There's too much cooking in this episode. Not too much. I'll do a really good British accent, bruv. I realize it's not meant to be British. Oh, is it not? It's South African. Oh. By way of British. I think... I think, um, yeah, the guy playing Sanji is British, but the guy playing Zeth is South African. No, wait, I'm completely wrong. The guy playing... Yeah, you're... Okay, yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Either way, I hey, like re- his voice. <laughs> I just realized the guy playing Mihawk is South African. Mm. And the other two That's are fine. British. Lots, so, of yes. really good, lots of really good characters that everyone yes. wants to be like... Everyone knows these names because they've all seen the episode we're talking about, which is episode five of season one of One Piece on Netflix, uh, Eat at Barati. Uh, in this episode, the Straw Hat Pirates face their first adversary as a group. At a floating fish house, Luffy befriends a cook, and Zoro enters a duel with a warlord. Um, like that synopsis, that was nice and brief. Uh, it sums it up pretty well, where basically picks up where the last episode left off, getting chased by... You know, uh, Luffy's grandpa, apparently, the the Vice Admiral. Uh, they managed to escape thanks to some gum-gum magic and make their way to a floating fish restaurant where they come, like, one of the pirate warlords, because they're pirate warlords now, um, finds them and nearly kills Zoro. The end. God, the more I watch, the more it just keeps... Feeling more and more like a D and D campaign. I know. Uh, it was funny because they ended the other one on like such a big cliffhanger, and then they yeah. did so little with it. Like they had one tiny little flashback, and like that was pretty much it. You know, it was fantastic. It was just like you're my grandpa, and it cuts to back, and it's like, yes, he knows this person, and he wanted him to be a marine. The end. Yeah, the flashback was just like, oh, they don't get along. You know, it, yeah, they like, don't get along. it didn't tell you anything new about him. It's like, oh, Luffy but, wanted to be a pirate when he was a kid, sure. And his grandpa was also still an admiral at that point or whatever, you know. like His admiral had a kick-ass Hawaiian show, which is the best thing I've seen him wear the whole fucking I do, time. I do love that. I like the idea of just, like, catching a, a villain at a bad time or something. And they're just... It's not a bad time. He's on holiday. Or he's just, like, chilling out. Sure. It was fantastic. I was like, yes, because his demeanor did not change at all. And I'm like, this is clearly him thinking, I'm going to relax. This is me relaxing. And he's like, no, I'm having a a Mai Tai and I'm sitting on the beach and I've got my Hawaiian shirt, but that doesn't mean I'm still not. I'm surprised he didn't have his bulldog hat on. Yeah, honestly, it would have been the perfect occasion. It could have been before he got the the bulldog moniker, or maybe maybe it's before he really went into that that style. Um, now, another thing that struck me as very D and D about about this is that they just kind of ignore the sailing battle entirely. Like yeah. the D and D and their sailing ship rules are not not ideal. Obviously, no, they rolled they rolled really badly. Remember, like yeah, they did. 
they roll badly and then this is like the equivalent of like the wizard has the perfect spell for the situation when luffy goes big and it's like oh that (laughs) just you know what let's just end the encounter there that was oh you hit the mask they can't get you well i like that as an encounter design really that you don't have this long protracted war game style combat that you have a couple of volleys and then whoever's kind of winning or whoever does the coolest thing wins see i like that to run Mm. but i know i know i have some players who will not like that (laughs) well see i think it interesting because the way a sailing ship battle would operate and what we see them doing is they're fighting to incapacitate and not destroy. They, um, Garp uh, says, yeah, I true. want them, I want them taken alive. And it's like, well, yeah, that's all you need to do. You need to take out the mast. You need to take out the rudder. They've got one cannon. Once they're out of ammo, you don't have to destroy them. And I like that idea of, particularly in something like ship-to-ship combat or vehicle combat, in other games, you don't try to destroy everything. You don't go until it's zero hit points. You just aim for the weak points. That's disabled. Cool. Now we can do what we want. And that's how you determine who's the winner of that combat. Which I think, as you said, there's players who won't like it because that idea of not destroying everything utterly is very antithetical to D&D. Yeah, it's true. Um, but it makes a lot of sense as well. Like when you think about it in real life or quote unquote real life, like not everyone's going to fight to the death, even like an animal or something. If it gets hurt, it's going to run, you know, like nothing's going to stay there. So you, you have license, I think as a DM, it's pretty fair to say that you can just end things whenever you want. Like if if an encounter is just like dragging. Yeah. Yeah. I realized that just the other day where I was running some trolls who famously can regenerate. And some of the party were metagaming and, of course, going, oh, but the fire, but they were focusing on two of them. And I realized quite quickly, these trolls are animals. Like, they're intelligent, but they're also aware that fire will kill them. And they don't want to stick around for that. So I had one of them, when it reached zero hit points, and just kept popping back up, go, you know what? I don't want to stick around. How about I just crawl away and, and regenerate somewhere else where people aren't shooting me? Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, there's that fact of, well, even if I can regenerate, I should be able to take these hits, but I'm very well aware that now I can die, and I'd much rather not. Yeah, I think that's part of the problem, like, as a kind of side note, it's it's tough to, like, sometimes play those creatures that have, like, lower intelligence, or, you know, it's like, where do you draw the line, especially between intelligence and wisdom, it's like... Because most creatures will have like a self-preservation, you know, survival instinct, but stuff like oozes and stuff probably don't. So uh, once you start entering that fantasy realm, it's like harder to to make that distinction. I always find it so useful when a published adventure says something like, they will fight until two of them fall and then the rest will flee. Or oh, they give you instructions for, yeah. Yeah. It's great. Even if it's something give me a user manual. As... Give me a user manual yeah. for a monster. Like... If it's as simple as this is their lair and they will never flee. Like, yeah, they, or it could even be like sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think some third parties will do that as well, where they'll say like, um, if your like encounter has like a maybe like the party will really benefit from having like a lot of AOE or something like that, you know, and they'll give you tips and that'll like they'll say like, oh, this will swing it in whoever's favor. Just little things like that. It's really nice. 
Yeah, or even something like they will fight until um there's a very flashy magical ability used, and then it's like, well, nope, we're out of here. And then then they'll admire it. They'll say, ooh, yeah, uh. ooh, sparkles. I, I don't want to kill you now for some reason. It's the the um the accoutrements that they're wearing that's uh, so special. Now, speaking of accoutrements, I think it's time that we talk about what the fuck is up with these slugs. Because there's a moment when when Garp addresses the um, what's the ship called the Proud Mary no Mary's Mary something oh anyway he he yells across and he picks up a slug and it's like attached to a conch but it's got like a little speaking tube at the rear end and then it kind of talks out of its mouth but then the slug has a little beard and mustache just like Garp and I have so many questions like. Did he grow it specifically to look like the person who's going to be talking through him? Is it just like being around this person so often means that it's grown a mustache? Is it always like this or have they attached it into some sort of device? Like, I I have so many questions. What's the deal with these slugs? What's the deal? What's Um, the deal with these slugs? (laughs) uh, First of all, the ship's called the Going Merry. Okay. Um, which is not a great <laughs> ship name, I'm going to be honest. Literally last episode we learned this. <laughs> it's been a few weeks. Um, they, don't, they don't tell us these things every episode. That's true. It's not that important. And it's, it's not really, ship. like, it's not prominently, like, painted on the side or anything. Like they Not don't yet. Put it, they don't put it in any, like, big establishing shots, like the name. Um, mm. Yeah, these slugs, I like the idea that the, the slugs have a particular look to them, and then the person who's using them changes their whole aesthetic to match the slug. Oh, I think that's funny. Okay. That's funny. So it's like the reverse thing of people looking like their- or pets looking like their people. It's um, yeah. people going, well, this is my icon now. Oh, it shows me. It was, oh, no, that's actually a great idea. What if it's like, like the slug has a beard, but it's like in order to attune to the item and you'd be able to use it, you have to grow a beard to match the slug. Like, Yes. I love that. <laughs> I love it. That feels reminds me very much of Fable, where you had to open certain doors by doing something in front of them, like doing a dance or like showing an act of love or something like that, or eating like a bunch of chickens. And it just, I love that idea where it's like, no, no, to get this magic item, you've got to have really bad facial hair. <laughs> is Fable Starburns good? I never Fable. Fable's fun. Yeah, I know Fable Isn't Three there, is, is the best. Fable, one. the new one, that's coming out, and everyone's really excited for it. Maybe. With I the guy didn't... from the IT crowd? Maybe. <laughs> I am up to date on video distracted. games. I'm young. Oh, it is. I'm yeah. hip. It's it's got Richard Ayoade as um as like cool. a giant. Cool. That sounds good. No, Fable is and very a, good. The first yeah. one was a little basic for my tastes. Um but certainly I definitely enjoyed the second one once you could have a pistol. That was awesome sauce. <laughs> I like. And I think I did become a fantasy. pirate. No, it was great. I I'm pretty certain I got put in a prison, and then I came back, and my wife had died, and I just spent like a good three hours, real time, walking around, getting my character drunk. <laughs> just <laughs> like, why not? This is what they do. I think you might have been drunk in in real life doing that. Look, you don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a vague time. Uh, speaking of drinking. Let's oh, jump so speaking over. Speaking of vague time. <laughs> speaking of vague time in this episode. Now, let's jump do you forward. Think, 
sorry <laughs> real quick do you think the the grandpa thing that to me feels like an improvised like the player said it to be dramatic and the dm was like yes and and then everyone else asked about it and they're like oh we'll deal with it later <laughs> Just, we'll explain it later definitely i think that yeah. is 100 percent what happened <laughs> i don't i think maybe the the player thought this was like a good idea like at the time, this would be funny, and the dungeon master's like, "No, no, yeah, that's that's true. He is your grandfather. You knew this all along." And it's like, "Oh shit! Now we got to play. Now we got to roll yeah. with it." Yeah, yeah. You always got to be the you always got to be the straight man as the DM. Well, not always, but- yeah, not always. Well, this is what the NPCs are for. When you're an NPC, you don't have to be the straight man. That's true. Yeah, or is it the other way around? The NPCs have to take it seriously, but the dungeon master can be the one that laughs. Hmm, that's an interesting concept. We will delve into that in a future episode because right now I want to delve into the backstory scene with um, Nami and Zoro where they're doing the drinking game. And see, I could have many, many ways of of connecting this because we were talking about alcohol, but we were also talking about slugs and they describe Usopp's dancing as like a sea slug. Honestly, his dancing wasn't that bad. I'm just going to put it out there. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad at all. He worries me in general, but no, the, the lying is, is what worries me. But everyone seems okay with it, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, I like that idea of them trying to guess each other's backstory because they're both so mysterious, and you always have that mysterious like edgelord in your party who won't tell everyone their backstory. Yeah, it's a really that's a really fun prompt. Um, I'm totally stealing that as well. Yeah, uh, like here, have, have a drink. To, yeah, yeah. Do you think that works better? It's something you could set up naturally as a game master, or do you think it's something the players have to want to do in their their own instance? I think it works. It works best between two players, which I yeah. think makes it difficult to bring up as a DM. Um, mm. But worst case, you could do it with an NPC uh, and one of the players as well, and it can still kind of work, especially if it's one that they need information from, so they need to learn this backstory. Mm. How do you feel about players discovering each other's backstories in this manner, like questioning each other and just, I mean, it's for me, it's great as a game master because I don't have to do anything. It's like, cool, you guys just role play, like I, I specifically oh, requested you yeah. to do. It, it's wonderful. Um, but a lot of people feel okay with role playing with the game master, but not with each other, I find. Like, there's definitely, it's a different vibe. Um, yeah. For sure. Um, and I'm wondering. And it's tough wondering, to like, yeah, like pinpoint why exactly mm. as well. I mean, I think it's because a lot of the time that the game master makes it into a safe space for the player. So it's like, it's okay for me to role play with you because you're already in that space, that idea. And I don't know if they have that, feels like they've got that freedom with another player because um, you're not, you know, focusing all the attention. They're not the one in the world like the game master is. But. It feels like that's a better way to immerse yourself in the game. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think I agree. maybe it's a another aspect of the game master always does do yes and, but you can never really guarantee that another player will, because other players have their own ideas of what their characters like or what's going on in the story. Yeah, it's a bit like, yeah, I don't know. Actually, now that you've mentioned mm. it, it really is kind of strange. I mean, I think there's um, some good examples of players playing off each other 
and obviously critical role and actual live plays and things like that are, are good examples. I'm wondering too, because I certainly know it as a, a person when I'm a player, I don't like to give my character that much focus in a scene because I'm aware there's so many other people at the table. And it feels like if I'm just interacting, like we're just having a conversation, me, a thief, let's say, our characters is having a conversation and like talking shit and just like revealing a little bit, but basically bantering, that's eating up other people's game time. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's a like a founded kind of concern, but I understand like where you're coming mm. from. Like, I don't, I don't think it's a rational I, one, but yeah. No, I think that's very much my own irrational anxieties. But I'm but wondering totally how common, yeah. whether that's a common, uh, common instance, and why people might steer clear of it because of that. Maybe a little bit. I think the other thing I was thinking of, I guess, is like because the DM is essentially the world. It's like you're always essentially inputting stuff into the DM, as if you know, as if they were a computer or whatever. You're inputting. Yeah. I do this. I do that. And there's always like you get something back. Yeah. Um as a result of that world and then you're not really another player isn't part of the world in the same way i guess you know like they're just kind of existing in that space but they aren't actually the world itself i suppose yeah um yeah, uh, how do you sense. feel about like the other thing i was thinking of is because usually i you know i would highly recommend and i always do with my campaigns like have a session zero before you start mm -hmm. your campaign uh, usually that involves creating your characters and stuff. Sometimes. Um, yeah, sometimes. But I guess it's like, how do you, where do you sort of toe the line in terms of coming up with backstory and sharing that with other players, I guess? That is a tricky one because I do love the mystery and also a little bit of the idea of, I want to have that surprise reveal. Um, occasionally like yes and his mother never loved him and that's why he's the way he is sort of sort of feel um but i also want to give the other players an opportunity to set up those scenes and if they know about them and to start with that's when they're more likely to come out um so i guess it's a it's a little bit of an instance of in session zero, I feel like you tell as much as you want and add there is more to the story, but I want that to come out during play if you want those surprises. But I also feel that if you want to have the deep dark secret and why they're acting the way they are, maybe you just tell everyone in session zero. So people aren't like, you're just being a jerk for no reason. It's like, no, no, I've got a reason yeah. why he's a jerk. And let's play that out because we want everyone to have fun and game together. Yeah, or you could do that, but like have that reveal, because it, it's this is like it'll all depends on context. But yeah. you could have like because that's a great reveal though, like in game in character to be like, yeah. hey, why are you being such a jerk? And it's like this is why because my wife left me. She took the dogs. Wow, <laughs> she took the dog. She just left me with this tiny sword and inside a crucifix. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the tiny sword inside the crucifix. There's there's things to talk about with that. Um, yeah, I I feel that the game master should always know 
Yes. Like something Agreed. like that. Uh, unless you're a player who's like, I'm just going to give you a vague backstory because I don't know and I'm going to roll with whatever you give me. Which is also fun. Like yeah. if you say, my father's been missing and I'm always looking for him. I have no information more about that. Like if you want him to be evil or good, whatever, you go for it. I'm going to roll. I did this with one of my first characters that I had a half orc and I very much wanted his mother to be an orc and for her to die because, you know, tragic backstory. And I wanted his father to be a human. I didn't know who his father was. No idea. And I was just like, hey, you put a, a father figure in front of him. He's going to latch onto it. And if it's his real father, he's going to have some words with him. But I'm going to accept whatever you come up with. And that created some awesome moments when he did finally meet his father. And it turned out to be the general of, um, of the army that we had to avoid. And he got to headbutt him in the face and just say, that's what you left me for, Dad. All my parent issues uh, are coming out this episode. It's great. It's a lot. Yeah, d and is a lot cheaper than yeah. therapy, guys. Right? It's not, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not if you buy as much stuff as I do. It is not cheaper than therapy. Please go to therapy. Because everyone says d and is cheaper than therapy and is like therapy. It's not therapy. Okay? Please go to therapy. <laughs> Yeah, see a professional, such as yeah. the wonderful game masters at Masters of Alchemy, who will run a game for you for a, a very reasonable price. Which is cheaper than therapy. <laughs> Which is cheaper than therapy. And we have to sit we have to sit there and listen yeah. to you for three hours. Yeah. And pretend to be a goblin and be like, hmm, that's very interesting. Yes. <laughs> Honestly, that'd be a goblin would make a good therapist. Yeah. Probably. Goblin mode is a word for a reason. <laughs> What All right, the there's fuck? a lot of stuff to talk about in this episode. There's a lot of stuff to talk on. about. Let's let's talk about speaking of randomness and random goblin therapists. Um the Barati in general, like what the fuck? A giant floating restaurant made out of like a fish. Um <laughs> I-, I love when he was like, I hope this fish has a bar. <laughs> yeah. Zoro's entire just get me a beer. <laughs> like, yeah. dude. There's so many different types of beer, but all right. Like, his just desire to get really drunk all the time, I love. I absolutely love. Uh, but yeah, that it's just a, a fish restaurant. And this, to me, feels like the most random of random encounters. <laughs> like, it felt like they read... The, the Game Master rolled a random... Like, you're in the fog and you roll... Okay, you've rolled a restaurant. I think I'm looking at the wrong... No, you know what? I'm not looking at the wrong table. We're just going to roll with it. There's a restaurant and people are bringing their food and it's the best restaurant ever. And, like, there's a cool-ass chef who, like, fights. Um, yeah, I mean, I like... I love the whole cooking angle in general. Mm. I like all the cooking-related stuff in a lot of games. Um, Do you not read more I guess manga? It's like, manga loves cooking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of anime and everything. Um, but I guess it's like, it's easy to forget because like the show flicks between like being a little bit kind of dark and being like yeah. super f- ridiculous. Um, it's, it's, you know, I was just thinking back, like it literally just happened like the previous episode, but like the kitty cat crew, pirate crew, yeah. like it's so, so ridiculous. Um, so you know, what? a, a flo- fish floating fish restaurant out in the middle of the sea that for some reason, their primary thing they serve was. Like, was it steak or? Yeah. <laughs> okay, like, now that that makes it sense. It wasn't fish. <laughs> it wasn't. 
That makes perfect sense to me because when you're out on the ocean, the rarest, the most difficult dish to get would be steak. Yeah, but it's difficult for the restaurant as well. How are they getting this? Well, yeah. I mean, they've got ships coming in all the time. All they need to do is say, hey, bring me a like ton of steaks and I'll give you a free meal. Just, sure. just, just a, on the steak element, it reminded me that lobster used to be like the trash food that people ate. Oh yeah, Still and that is. there was, a, yeah, there was, yeah. there was an instant instance of um, workers suing their their boss because they kept giving them lobster for lunch, and they're like, no, no, we need real food. And the only reason it's seen as like this high class dish is because of refrigeration. And suddenly all the inland areas could have lobster. And it's like, well, if you're smart, if you're like a wealthy person and have a refrigerator, then you can have lobster shipped away from the coast. And it's exactly the same with steak. Um, Yeah, I guess in this context. Yeah. Yeah. Because it seems to be just all, all land. So yeah, that, Kind of makes sense. Uh, but let's talk about Sanjay. Sanji? Sanji. Sanji. Yeah. I love him. I love I ship him and Nami hard. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the Kiki boy. I love kicking. Yeah. I love cooking. I love yep. mysteriously covering one half of my face with hair. Yeah, that was kind of a given, wasn't it? I was surprised was when we were so introduced animated. to a yeah. When we were introduced to a um kitchen hand with like blue hair. I was like, oh, well, that's going to be our hero. It's like, no, no, no. It's the bright white-haired dude. It's like, oh, okay, the other one. He's very well-dressed as well. Well, yeah, he's a waiter. You've got to look good. He's not, he's not a waiter. He, I'm not a waiter. I'm a chef, and I believe in elephant tuna steak. I couldn't place his accent. Was he meant to be more cockney than he was? or I thought it was a little bit like... I wonder where the actor's from, if it's just like his, that's just his accent. Let's have a look. Let's do a quick live Google. It's been a while since we've done one of those. Do, 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 do. Eat at the Barati. His name is Taz Skyler. That's an interesting name. Um, let's see. Born in the Canary Islands uh, to an Arab father and British mother. Oh. That's very good. So he's a British uh, in general, um, known for the Lazarus Project and Gassed Up. Uh, I don't know any of those, honestly. And Boiling Point. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, the casting's been very, very good for this show. Yeah. No, it, it is very good. They've picked it. Well, it does seem to be a lot of British, not well-known actors, but certainly British character actors, I feel, or up-and-coming char- uh, 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 British actors. Uh, or maybe that's well, just there's the... a mix. I think those are kind of the other backgroundy ones, like the main yeah. ones, like Zoro's Japanese. I want to say uh, Zoro. I want to say is Korean. The guy who plays him. Um, Let's find out. I've got it up here. We know Luffy's. Um, Luffy's oh wow, that's Mexican. That shows. Uh, like, look, I don't like to just say people are from a country based on how they look because he was born in Los Angeles. <laughs> Sure. That's you know what? That's fair. <laughs> uh, but I he knows how to ride a horse Japanese and do karate. Because I figured they'd have one yeah. Japanese actor at least. Um, no, that's not how we do things in this world. <laughs> it's funny because his name is like Sanji, which just sounds so Japanese. 
Yeah, that's an incredibly Japanese name. <laughs> yeah. What like was the name in um, Neon Genesis? What was his name? Ken- no, not Kenji. Oh, uh, Shinji? Shinji. Shinji. There we go, Shinji. Yeah. yeah, I kept I kept thinking like, no, he's Japanese because it's, it's like the guy in, in Neon Genesis, except it's not. So, no, I, I like Sanji. As I said, I ship him with Nami because he just saw her and was like, hello, nurse. I'm just going to... That feels like uh, a flip a of like a flip of like a player trying to hit on an NPC and the NPC just not being interested. Like, yeah, I like that idea when NPC. Well, at this stage, NPC because I feel that Sanji might be a bit more of a character coming going forward. Um, yeah, where they're just like, "Hi, yeah, you, I, I'm into it. Yeah, I, I like you. What's up?" And just make them feel uncomfortable. But not too uncomfortable, obviously, um, just in a, a more fun way. But I did like that element because it did feel like putting the spotlight on Nami's character for everybody else to have a moment of bonding as a party. Because Sanji's hitting on her and like being like, would you like all this this tap water, sparkling water, ice crushed water? And everyone was like, ooh, Nami's got a boyfriend. And it was that moment of everyone else being like, oh, yeah, we're friends and joking around. And yeah, I feel like yeah. that was the point because we don't really see him flirt with her at all after that. No, I think it was just a nice kind of like role reversal as well, which is a fun, fun card to pull as a DM, right? When you've got because yeah. Nami's essentially, I'm assuming, like off camera a bit, you know, she probably spends a lot of time flirting with certain NPCs or whatever, um, yeah. whether genuinely or not, you know. So this is the DM sort of getting their revenge a little bit. <laughs> yeah it's like yeah every, if you want to flirt with everyone everyone's going to flirt with you as well it's have like, fun with that wanna, I don't want, I don't want the, the hot the hot guy who can kick well and cook well to flirt with me <laughs> does alright does elephant tuna steak and asparagus combo sound good Absolutely I'm not a fish not. person okay good because no. I'm not a fish person I have no idea if that or asparagus I'm not, person, not a fish person either so honestly yeah no, Fishman will get into a next episode. Ah, see what I did there. Oh. <laughs> uh, speaking of, of fights and, and the whatnot, um, let's talk about Mihawk. And um, just yes. his whole vibe. Uh, so is he a vampire? Yes, no. Oh, I don't think so. His name's Dracul. He's just very, he's very cool. Yeah, so he was like, very cool. cool. Yeah, and I did certainly appreciate his his manner of speaking with yeah. his little um his phone call, <laughs> putting it on the Bluetooth with um with Garp <laughs> as he just murders a whole bunch of pirates, including their leader. And again, we got that awesome wanted poster come up. Where it's like, got like Mihawks one, we're like, oh my gosh, he's a pirate, and then it goes to the guy he's fighting, who just grabs his own poster out of the air and like crushes it. So like, that was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I I've stopped paying attention to how much they um they're worth. It's just like yeah, they're they're worth a lot. But I do have to uh, okay. So there's a pirate king, and there's a pirate warlord, or there's seven pirate warlords. Well, the pirate then- king was the guy at the start. Who yeah. got executed? So there's. I don't think there's a current pirate king. So, but the pirate warlords are they after the pirate king because they seem to be working with the the marines and the world government. Um, no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no okay. clue. 
Because uh, and then there's a pirate armada which we haven't even heard about yet. Because the the guy washes up and he's all like, oh, I've I was serving in that pirate armada looking for the One Piece and we all died because the Grand Line destroyed us. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it does feel like they're just kind of throwing information. Be like, yeah, this is what happens. Like, okay. I have no evidence to suggest otherwise, so okay. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a little much. confusing. A little confusing. They just keep... I guess there's there's probably, like, there's so much lore, I guess, or so much of the world building that they're just trying to drip feed so they don't overwhelm, I think. That's a good point. And it does feel like Luffy has no fucking idea about most of this stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And Kobe as well. Like, Kobe is another one of our viewpoint characters since he was there at the beginning, who was kind of kept below decks and didn't get a chance to know much more than outside of his own ship. So it sort of makes sense to for them to be the ones that everything gets explained to. Yeah. Um, and bringing that back to Mihawk, I love that Nami and Usopp have no idea who this guy is when he shows up. Like, they're just, oh, yeah, who's that guy? And Zoro is the one who, like, immediately knows this man. And it's like they've failed their history checks. That they yeah. th- this guy's gone, I'm Mihawk the Bloody. And they're like, I don't know who that is. That's just a name you're throwing out. And the only one who rolled better than a 10 is Zoro. It's like, I know that guy. He's from my backstory. I like the idea. I think it makes sense as well in that sort of, like, the lower technology setting where the information that people know is like very specific to mm. certain things. Mm. So like, obviously Zoro has no trouble at all kind of recalling who this guy is, but for everyone else, there's just like, I haven't the faintest clue. And that makes sense for the setting, you know, yeah. it works. Cause it does feel like, like they've got the East blue and the North blue and the South blue and the West blue. So all the different quadrants, and it does seem like because of the way the world government's structured, there's no real crossover between the two. Like, it's difficult to sail all around the world. So you would just know all the people in your section. And if someone comes from another section, you have no idea who they are unless you really look into that or study that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, this is in the East Blue, right? Yeah, this I think season. this is an East Blue. Yeah. I'm assuming the stories in the end take them all around the world because, sure, why not? Of course. I, I've got to say, I love Mihawk's just whole vibe. Like, that. Yeah. And Zoro, like, seems like, yes, I'll stand up. It's like, I've always admired you, so I'm very sorry I'm going to kill you tomorrow. <laughs> like, and his response is, what? Like, who the hell are you, kid? And even That's down really to when he, when he draws the little, little knife out of his, his crucifix. Which we'll talk about crucifix. Why is there a crucifix? That's an interesting question. But his lies: I don't hunt rabbits with a cannon. Um, like his everything he's about him dis- is so good. His I know his mustache is so good. His golden mm-hmm. eyes, you know. Mm-hmm. His utter dismissiveness of Zoro as well. I I just yeah, thought, but it he's was, got it honor. He's, he's he does honor. He's an honorable villain. Everyone loves him. Everyone loves an honorable villain. They do. Well, I do like that because he says, you know what? I'm bored with like your whole marine thing. 
and fighting pirates and whatever. It's like I was just having a nap and someone woke me up, so now I've got to do these things. But yeah, you seem interesting. I'm going to let you live. What? And you fought <laughs> well. So a I'm nap, de- you mean like just demolishing an armada? Then, yeah. Well, he, he says that that guy woke him up. Oh, wait. Is uh, that the armada that the dude came? I'm, assu- I'm assuming, right? Oh, that makes so much more sense. Tying it all in together. Yeah. <laughs> but they, he said he was like swimming for like three days or something, wasn't he? Uh, we don't know how much time passed, yeah, I guess. Who knows? Who knows? Oh, no, no, it's okay. Good. It all comes together. It all makes sense now. Um, um no, Mihawk gave me very like Strahd vibes, you know? Yeah. That's why I was um, thinking he was a vampire. <laughs> I mean, it, he's, it is Dracul. Um, yeah. but it's that classic thing of like, you introduce the big bad early on and have them encounter, have them get their butt kicked you know, maybe pay a price. Um, yeah. But let them live so they can come back later and, and make it more worthwhile when they hopefully, you know, hopefully for the players, eventually beat him. I mean, I did like that, that he was just using the little blade. He's like, you know what? You would be a good fight later on. So come back. I'll bring out the big sword and then we'll fight and then I'll kill you. Like that. And you could easily do that with... Uh, like a monster as well, where you don't have to yeah. use the whole stat block, right? Just because they've got yeah. multi-attack and can do like five attacks around. You don't need to do it. You just do one, right? Mm. Or you could do a breath weapon, but like not do the, the roll as many dice as it technically has. Well, what do you do when they actually start beating it? Is that when you like pull out the big guns and just dominate them and say, okay, and now I'm going to let you live and walk away? Well, you can you can always force and dice a little bit. Like if you know your, your I don't players, know what you said then, and I don't want to. <laughs> if you know what your players' HPs are, for example, you could do the breath weapon, so it's enough to like knock down one or two. Yeah, and leave the others kind of barely standing, that sort of thing. No, I can see that working pretty well. Or even you could just like roll the max damage, or not max, you know, roll the whatever max the damage. full amount is supposed to be, the full amount of dice. Um, if you happen to just like down the entire party, it depends if they go down or if they insta die. I guess that's the main thing. But you could just have everyone making death saves at the same time, and then maybe some of them, you know, some of them will get up, some of them won't. Yeah. Still cool. Bringing up to death saves, Zoro's whole thing with his um, after he gets wounded and he's like bleeding out and he just kind of collapses. Do you think that's him stabilizing after death saves, or is that him rolling poorly? Um, I think, well, I think this comes up more in the second episode, but I, I think, or in the next episode, but I think that's more of like an extended, like kind of death mechanics rather than it just being straight death saves, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, I've covered everything I'd like to talk about with this episode. Um, so maybe we wrap it up there a little bit shorter than usual but about the right there's just a lot of little Um, there's just a lot of little moments that i loved in this this episode there's yeah the um (laughs) when he was when like zoro goes to talk to luffy at the start like nami's like oh check on him make sure he's okay or whatever and it's like Mm -hmm. yeah i'm fine my 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 hat took a couple of hits though like (laughs) i'm gonna fix that (laughs) yeah it's like why do i have to talk to him because you're his first mate all right um, that's I right. When he the, says, "I love the, the little treasure moment. tab," 
the treasure tab when he's trying to pay for the meal at the the thing. It's like, yeah, just put it on my treasure tab. Like when we when we become famous and we earn lots of treasure, pay it there. And Nami pay, bribing the guy to get them in is just like, I'm sorry, they're idiots. It's like, oh yes, I understand, idiots. Um, there's also one where Kobe goes to talk to Garp, and when he walks in, he's just like eating a pile of steaks, and he like yeah. finishes one and he like puts it there, and then he grabs like a new one. What the hell? It's so, it's so funny. It's so a little bit weird. And I was thinking, um, oh, what's the other? Nami does something else that's amazing. I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, there was a lot of stuff that was amazing in this. Yeah. Um, Zoro just... Well, oh, that's right. When Zoro's swords get stuck on on the um, on the seat and he can't sit down. <laughs> yeah. And that, of course, then being like, well, he get then when he uses like the triple blades, one in his teeth, and it doesn't work. It's like that's the the expression of you know what? Sometimes the swords are dr- holding you back. Yeah. Oh, he needs new swords as well. Two of his broke. He does. He does. I'm looking forward. To- I'm getting the other one's a magic item, two, right? Though. The other For one's sure. a magic item. Yeah. For sure. That's why I didn't. Well, see, here's what I think. Oh, we didn't talk about this last time, but I love that idea of making it a magic item because of how he got it. Oh yeah. Like yeah, yeah. it wasn't a magic item originally, and if anyone else uses it, like anyone else uses it, it is just a sword. But when he uses it, it's unbreakable or it's got this, oh, this special ability. Invincible. Be- yeah. Because he has a connection to it and because it plays a role in his story. I like that. I really like that. Yeah. yeah. I I love that idea. I don't know how you'd make it work in I think it's like, I guess it's a part of his stat block. It's an ability he can do. Yeah, it could just be like a, I guess it's like a packed weapon sort of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah, that worked. Maybe he's a warlock instead of a monk. <laughs> no, he was a fighter, wasn't he? He's a fighter, yeah. Yeah. I guess he could be just be a hexblade warlock. Now we know that his, um, his best friend died. I mean, he fits, he fits the edgelord, you know, <laughs> stereotype. I remember another bit where he's amazing. Wendy's asked, Luffy, what was the first thing I said to you when I was tied up to that cross? You'll never be part of my crew? No, the other thing. You hunt pirates? No, no, the other thing. <laughs> like, that just ridiculousness of this show sometimes. It's just really fun, even when they're doing, like, really serious things. And that's why I think they had, well, why he lost. Like, they are sort of ridiculous at times, and they've got to have that seriousness to bring them back down uh, and make it seem like there really are stakes rather than just they're wandering through and doing whatever they want. All right. Yeah. Uh, we covered a lot, I think. And let us do the last thing that we always do on this podcast, which is talk about um, the crit hit or the crit fail of the week. Uh, now, I'm, as I said, not a fish person. Um, so I'm just going to give it to Sanji for the elephant, tuna, and steak and asparagus thing. Because... Um, Okay, uh, it, everyone seemed to like it, except Zeph. I mean, nobody tried it. It was just... No, no, Luffy tried it. So you said everyone seemed to like it. It was just Luffy, and who likes everything? Well, the the other kitchen ham was all like, oh, that looks good, but you never get it on the menu, or something, wasn't he? Oh, that's I true, I wasn't actually. paying attention. That's true, that's true. Yeah. But Luffy also just, like, ate a whole pot of soup the other episode that was poison. It was poison, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kept eating kinda... it, like... <laughs> 
we cannot trust his his digestive tract. Uh, all right, well, that is my pick anyway. Uh, I was tempted to crit fail for for Usopp and Nami for realizing who the hell Mihawk was, but uh, I'm going to go with the the other ones. Who? What are you picking? Then? There were a lot of fails. I think there was them. Mm-hmm. I think in the fight in the first place, where they're all like, you know, Usopp's like failing to load the cannon and stuff. Yeah. Um, Usopp, Usopp looks like he'll do a lot of fails. He um, does. Trying to get into the restaurant. Um, but I think I'm going to give it to Luffy for a perception check early on when he mm. smells the food in the middle of the fog and he can identify all the different oh, yeah. flavors and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I would say he has an advantage on the roll. Like he gets a, a high number, but that's still a. a um... Yeah, a, a that's crit, a fa- crit success. That's a that's a high roll. Yeah, that's a very high roll. That's the kind of yeah, sure you can roll for it. What are you going to get? Like a twenty? Oh, you got a twenty. Okay. Well, okay. There's a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh shit. <laughs> Uh, so that is us for this week thank you so much for listening you can subscribe wherever podcasts are found so you can get us um, every week uh, because we do come back every week come back next week to listen to episode 6 where we talk about the chef and the chore boy Uh, and hey all the other stuff I say including things like if you want to send us questions you can send it to dndntvpod at gmail.com and tell us what What's the deal with the cross? How do you have a cross when there's no Jesus in this world? Just asking. That's that's a question. What? Why are there pirate kings and warlords? All of that stuff. Um, is tuna steak really that good? And is there elephant tuna? Uh, tell us these things because I need to know. Or you can come over to the place where the things are with the Instagram, the um, DND and TVPOD on Instagram. Uh, you can probably follow me as well on Instagram. Um, that's Talaman, T-A-L-U-M-I-N-8-3 at Instagram, where you'll see some of the stuff I'm talking about with other role-playing games, but you'll probably see mostly um, stuff about this podcast. Um, Afif, you're not online because you're smart and you avoid social media like the plague. And what else do I need to say? That we're, You've already done the plug for Masters of Alchemy. Thanks for that. That really helped me out. Uh, but you can find that website, uh, mastersofalchemy.au really easy way to find there's going to be some campaigns at fortress going through next year um there's going to be queens of the quest um there's the regular dungeons and flagon sessions there's private games that you can hire us for there's a whole bunch of interesting things where hey if you've got a pirate campaign you want to run um don't ask a fee for me because we don't know how to run ship combat and I think I've covered everything. So until next time, stay safe, be kind to yourselves, may all you hits be crits, and we're going to be the king of the podcasts. This podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Wurundjeri people. Always was, always will be. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging.